welcome to welcome another another episode. episode. <laughs> I couldn't tell if we were gonna rip off of each other or try to go at the same time. It's just happening. What we're just impro- yes. improvising here, Amy. Every time hey. we've got no script. <laughs> That's what we do. The only script is the last couple of seconds of the episode. So you'll hear the. Uh, non-chaoticness at in like the last two seconds of yes. this, the entire That's episode. That's when we know what we're doing. Everything's yeah. good. Not good at intros. Which is funny because we used to compare that to my favorite murder and it was like, huh, it's like a little shtick, but no, now it's it's actually just, just it's awkward for us. We just don't know what yeah. we're doing. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, welcome to Real Ghouls. And uh we're your hosts. I'm Amy Lee. And I'm Debbie and we're here to talk to you about more spooky things and horror movies. And as you know, our theme for this month was scary children. And so today we have another episode for you about a scary child. Yeah. Well, kind of. Kind of. Well, yeah, you're right. Uh, we hope you got our memo last week about which movie we're talking about this month. Yes. Uh, so last week we talked about The Omen. Mm-hmm. And we had our demonic Damien child. And then this week, we are talking about the 2009 film Orphan, and it's pretty different, and that's kind of our goal, is to just pinpoint different kinds of Creepy scary children, children yeah. that exist within the subgenre mm-hmm. of horror. Uh, and we have only picked three out of the many, many yes. vast examples in the genre, so... We hope you have enjoyed the three movies we chose. Next week, we'll be talking about Children of the Corn, mm-hmm. so come on back for that after you've watched it. But today, we talk about Orphan. Yeah. It's going to be a good... I didn't know. Let's start off strong. I had no fucking yeah. idea that Leonardo DiCaprio was a producer of this right? film. Right? Right? Oh, okay. Never would have thought. I never... And I was like... I immediately was like, why? <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I also read on imdb which this may or may not be a true fact but the scene the very spoiler alert at the very end of the movie when esther is sinking down to the bottom of the little lake pond thing uh that was supposed to be like an homage to him playing jack in titanic (laughs) and that like shot of him slowly sinking down into the uh, abyss they're gonna make anything he does tie-in with titanic like have you heard about yeah this is completely off topic but i mean whatever have you heard about the leonardo dicaprio gatsby titanic thing yes okay yes i have it's really if you guys don't know what that is look it up it's really interesting to the point i've heard similar theories with wolf of wall Mm -hmm. street yeah it like goes from titanic to it's not yeah but they even go so far as to compare like movie shots you have him in the third class scene in the titanic or actually in the first class scene he like raises his glass talks about making it count and then in gatsby there's the iconic gif of him raising a glass of champagne and they're like right. oh my god is the but anyway uh, oh it's the same person <laughs> <laughs> can we have a leonardo dicaprio day and just watch a bunch of leo oh movies yes. <laughs> yes we're doing it <laughs> anyway Orphan, right? So produced by Leonardo DiCaprio as well as Susan Downey, Joel Silver, Jennifer Davis Killerin. The director, I'm gonna butcher this, is Jean Collet Sarna. Sure. Sure. And it stars 
Uh, Vera Farmiga and Peter Skarsgård. Love the Skarsgårds. Yeah. Vera and the Skarsgårds, man. Yeah. They're taking over the horror genre. They really are. It was also I mean, internationally co-produced, which I thought was interesting because uh-huh. I feel like that doesn't happen a lot. I don't know. But it's between U.S., Canada, Germany, and France. Okay. So, I don't know. I thought that was interesting because I feel like that's not something I Well, I know see. it was filmed in Canada. Mm-hmm. I know that much. But, um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, Vera Farmiga, the mother of the genre. I mean, she had been in so many... Not just horror movies at this point, but, like, within the subgenre of scary kids and kids being possessed and dealing with demons and, like, whatnot. Mm-hmm. She is in all of those movies, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. she, Yeah. Yeah. She's great. We love Vera Farmiga. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do, like, a quick brush through of the storyline yeah give like a little cliff notes let you guys know what's happening yeah okay so we start off with kate and john who are husband and wife who have had two children and she's on the way to giving birth to her third child and we learn that she has had a miscarriage Mm -hmm. um heartbreaking obviously uh but then we find out that she and her husband have been thinking about adoption, um, and she may or may not be dealing with a, a drinking problem, mm-hmm. and um, there's this heartbreaking scene where she's telling her daughter, she's, like, reading this book that they got for her daughter about basically how to teach a kid to deal with a miscarriage and, like, that loss of a sibling, and it's just absolutely heartbreaking, and something they've been dealing with for a while at this point and then they meet Esther um they go to this like religious home for girls I guess and there are nuns and um Esther is this they meet nine-year-old Esther. Russian girl mm-hmm. and they fall in love with her and they bring her home yeah and there are two kids they already have there's Max who's their five-year-old daughter who's deaf and then they have a 12-year-old son Daniel and Max mm-hmm. Loves Esther. Daniel is immediately like, what is this? <laughs> like, why is she getting all the attention? Yeah. Who is this girl? He's not yeah. super happy. Um, and then almost immediately stuff kind of starts to happen that, mm-hmm. like most families, you know, who are adjusting to a big change, they try to offer explanation for. For example, Esther walks in on Kate and John doing it and mm-hmm. seems to know a little too much about sex for someone who is nine years old right um but they play it off as like maybe it was a culture thing like she, we don't know where she's been or what she's been through mm-hmm. okay but then like more stuff starts to happen around her uh she kills a pigeon she injures a classmate right. and it kind of just starts to snowball from there right and each player in this story kind of gets a sense that something's really off at different points in the story and the most frustrating thing is that as an audience member the only character that isn't getting it is John mm-hmm. um, every other character has been getting it and the kids she had been threatening them in really intense ways not to say anything about any of it 
Um, she ends up enlisting the help of Maxine to murder the nun because the nun has been having conversations with Kate and John about her history and that they really actually don't know that much about her and they're looking back into the last family that she was living with and their house burnt down and all of them died and she narrowly escaped and so there's just a lot of information that keeps being flushed in and we see Kate start to spiral because nobody's trusting her Uh and that's why this movie is so frustrating as an audience member because you know what she knows and you know more than she knows even I mean that kind of goes with the horror trope you know it's usually like when the house is haunted the husband doesn't believe anyone he's like no everyone calm down the kids at first convince the mom and then they have to convince the dad because men tend to be more um logic-based and emotion-based and I think a lot of times this stuff is oh women are just being emotional um, right and they play off that really well so especially since we learn that John and Kate have this sort of intense romantic history between them mm-hmm. we find out that John a few years back had cheated on Kate and that Kate had developed a drinking problem which led to an almost tragic death of their daughter Maxine um and there's So there's, like, a lot of tension and, like, really sweet romantic moments in their relationship, which I think only drives the storyline with Esther Mm -hmm. a little bit more. Because as we learn about Esther, she is not, in fact, a child. She is a 33-year-old woman with some sort of hormonal... It's called, um, hypopituitary... Okay, Ellen, I can do this. Yeah, you got it. Hypopituitarism, which stunts like someone's that. growth and makes them look younger than they are. So she's right. technically 33. She's 33. And she has this Bible that she got from this insane asylum that she was in in Estonia mm-hmm. and escaped. And within this Bible are photographs that have been torn um off of like a larger photograph of different men which once we figure out the conclusion of the story we can only assume are other men that she has ultimately tried to fall in love with and seduced murdered and probably murdered the rest of their family isn't that what set her off with the previous family as she tried to seduce the father and didn't work so she just killed all of them yeah Yes, exactly. And that's what unfortunately happens to John. She tries to seduce him. He, for obvious reasons, doesn't Go for that, give in yeah. to that. And um, she stabs him, like, too many times. And then we have this, like, heart-pumping scene with Maxine, who whose cochlear implants had been stolen so now she literally cannot hear anything and is trying to hide and escape from this person who she thought was her big new big sister who she could trust and like there's like a crazy moment earlier in the film where she starts playing russian roulette with her and i'm just like what is happening what is going on a lot It's, but it's definitely one of those movies. I was My sister was watching it with me, and she hardly ever watches horror movies. But she was getting so into it, and, like, every five minutes, she was like, you stupid bitch! Why? Like, what is going on? This, this girl is crazy. Like, what? How is nobody doing anything? So, it was... It's a ride. It's, like, 
one of those really frustrating films to watch because you know what's going on and no matter how loud you scream at the screen nothing's gonna change yeah Yeah. (laughs) like half of my notes are written all in caps because there are just so many crazy things that keep happening in this film um but before i get ahead of myself the end of the movie uh kate comes into the home to try and prevent any further atrocities from happening and uh esther starts attacking kate and tries to kill maxine and kate um is on the roof of what i assume is their greenhouse breaks in the glass falls on top of esther they think she's dead or knocked out so she grabbed maxine and they run out into the woods and just like my sister pointed out instead of taking the main roads where they would have run into the police she takes the back way through the woods and then of course when the police go in the house, the body's gone. And um, Esther pursues them. A huge fight ensues on the lake. The like, the ice breaks. They fall in. It ends with this line um, that apparently was taken from The Ring 2. So I guess it's like paying homage to that film. But Kate basically looks back at Esther as she's trying to pull herself out of the, the lake and says... I'm not your fucking mommy, kicks her in the head, and she slowly descends into the water, and that's basically where the film ends. Mm -hmm. So, Kate makes it out with her two kids, and yeah. Yeah. Intense It's super intense, yeah. It's a good watch, though, so it's highly recommended if you've never seen it. If you have seen it, but this sounds off, watch it again, because... The last time I saw it before today was on a bus driving into New York. It was randomly playing on this charter bus. So (laughs) glad I watched it again because there's a lot of details that I forgot about that just make this movie even crazier than you would think. It's so good. There's even a moment where she wears all these ribbons. Yeah. And when you first see it, you kind of expect it to almost take a weird twist. Like the girl with the ribbon around her neck, she takes the ribbon off her head. Yeah. Off. First time I saw yes. it, I was like, oh my God, that's going to be what happened. But no, the ribbons are covering all of these scars and marks from when she had been restrained from when she was at the same yeah. asylum, which mm-hmm. is like almost creepier than if her head had just fallen off. Like, <laughs> Well, yeah, because it shows... It shows the lengths of self-inflicted pain this woman is willing to go to to get what she wants or what she needs. And there is a moment in the movie where she... um, Let me back up. Let me start with this part of the story. So the little... The baby that Kate lost, they decided to name the baby Jessica before they knew that the baby was stillborn. Mm -hmm. They ended up spreading the baby's ashes in their garden, and there was this beautiful plaque made that basically said, like, I never held you, but I can feel you. I never heard you, but I can hear you. Like, it's just this beautiful thing, like a beautiful homage to their, you know, lost little girl. Yeah. And she says to, in in a a way to bond with Esther when they're having sort of, like, trouble bonding, um... She tells her that as long as these roses are still growing, we know that she is alive because her ashes are, like, within the soil and Mm -hmm. help the roses grow. And 
John convinces Esther when Esther's saying that she's not having a great relationship with Kate to do something nice for Kate. What does she do? She goes and cuts off those roses and brings them to her. John thinks she's just doing something nice, but Kate knows she's being vindictive because she knows that Esther Esther knows knows the story story and what these roses mean to her. Hmm. And so in a fit of rage, for obvious reasons, Kate kind of like grabs her arm to take the roses from her and tell her off. And that night, Esther snuck down into the basement of the garage and with one of those tools, you like crank it to hold a piece of wood so you can saw it, Uh uh, cranks that until her arm breaks and convinces John, who she's been really nice and sweet to and is trying to like get really close to for reasons which we've already talked about, um, convinces him that Kate broke her arm and they go to the hospital and it's like a whole thing. Yeah. So like this, to get to a point where you're willing to self-inflict a broken arm in that way, like that's a mental state that I don't think I will ever be able to comprehend because... Unless it was, like, a life or death situation, I don't think I would ever be able to do that. Same. Yeah. So, yeah, it does make it scarier than that because it's not, like, a ghost story. This is a person who will go to any length to ruin somebody's life. So. Exactly. Yeah. What's really creepy is that, and I didn't know this until they mentioned it on a podcast, I don't even know if it was my favorite murder, actually. It might have been a different one. But I've heard that not necessarily the movie was based on a true story, but that a story has similarly happened in real life where someone faked a bunch of documents and was adopted by a family and they were not the age that they said they were. And Mm -hmm. it was a very similar story about someone manipulating a bunch of people to get what they want. Um, and there's different versions of this story, which makes me question exactly, like, how true it is, or perhaps there right. really are just this many different versions or cases like this. Um, some of them take place in places like Germany. Some of them do take place in the United States, but it varies. One of them is that a young girl had manipulated two sisters into adopting her and brought her in, and she started torturing the children. But, of course, the older women didn't believe anyone, and... X, Y, and Z. Other versions have the Esther, quote-unquote, as someone who was kind of a con artist and conning people out Mm -hmm. of a ton of money. So they would be adopted by a family. They would pose as, like, a 16-year-old, and then when they were 18 and they were meant to be sent to university or something, they would take the money and flee and disappear and then automatically start over. Um, So I've heard a bunch of different sort of versions, which I think is, like, really creepy, and I also think it's really intriguing since we put this in the kids a month but it's an adult posing as a child which is like a totally different thing yeah because I think so many stories are ghosts and adults doing bad things that the idea that it's a quote-unquote child doing this Mm -hmm. I don't know it just adds an extra element and I think that's like why we wanted to put it in this month is because it's so weird but and I think it's also one of those movies where until you know you don't know and you don't know until like the last five minutes of the movie and you're kind of in the same mindset as Kate and John and the kids in that you think that it is a nine-year-old doing these crazy things doing these horrible things like not at any point did Kate assume 
she was not a nine-year-old yeah. child. She maybe had the assumption that maybe she wasn't who people thought she was because there was no warning that she was a violent person. Mm-hmm. There was no information, really, about her history. It was just whatever the orphanage had in their files and then when she went to go and do research on where she came from before they said there was no record of that Mm -hmm. person so then it becomes this like spiral thing um to end up getting that information too little too late i guess um but still yeah no i totally hear what you're saying i think what i really like about this film is that because our past is such a puzzle it's kind of like the Michael Myers situation where we can't mm-hmm. directly see why she is the way she is. And I, I like right. that while they try to offer, like, bits and pieces, they're not going to sit down and spell it out for you. If this is what happened to her, and this is how she ended up in the insane asylum and X, Y, and Z. And I think that that is done really, really well because in so many horror movies, they try to offer an explanation and a mm-hmm. reason for why someone is doing what they are, and that helps. But I think stories are much creepier when there is no justification or when you can't right. figure out why. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely more frustrating. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's so many layers to this, too. Like, she's not just vindictive. She's not just conning people. But you add on that layer of her trying to seduce the husband, which is like, right. it makes me think, like, was she abused as a child by someone who was bad? Like, I or don't understand... It- is it a symptom of her condition mm-hmm. and how she is, tr- she would, maybe she has tried to be in the world as just who she is mm-hmm. and maybe people were treating her in a certain way and she was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to fucking go along with that. Let's see how far I can get. Yeah. Because we, and that's the thing. All we can do is sit here and speculate because exactly. we don't have that information. But I think that's like the cool thing about movies like this that we have a freaking podcast where we sit and talk about these things for hours yeah. like after we've watched them because when movies don't give you every piece of information it sparks conversation exactly um i think what's really so, yeah. interesting is this could have totally been flipped into like a detective superhero movie and she could have been an undercover person framing people who were doing bad things and instead she's the bad yeah. person doing the bad things it's just so weird Anyways, that's kind of all I have. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. It's a really fun movie after the fact because you just, it's, like, got such a rise out of me. Um, I, like, just was frustrated. And then I had some moments of, like, really sweet emotional moments and then just, like, a lot of frustration and then some, like, really sweet kind of more romantic moments and then a lot more frustration so if you're looking for a little bit of an emotional journey definitely watch this movie and I actually suggest watching it with other people because this is the kind of movie that I can see people like getting antsy in their seats being like oh come on this is so frustrating exactly Um, because it's just that kind of intense dramatic irony that we all love Mm -hmm. so Definitely recommend watching this one. (laughs) I do too. It's a good... It's a good one. It's different. Yeah, it is. And they are not... That's another thing about this movie. I had to look away and kind of 
hum to myself because they are not afraid in this movie of showing any bone breaks and putting all of the sounds and showing all like when she fucking kicks her in the face at the end you see her head go all the way fucking to her ass like it is no joke and (laughs) they do not shy away from keeping it fucking real in this movie so yeah watch it yeah definitely watch it if you haven't already and if you have watched it feel free to chime into the conversation on instagram or facebook or wherever you choose to follow us yeah yeah next week we're gonna talk about children of the corn indeed looking forward to that and then our final episode of the month is going to be a bit of a wrap-up. We're going to kind of be comparing and contrasting the different tactics of creepy children. (laughs) We are. So stay tuned, and until next time, keep it cool. Keep it really cool. Bye. Bye.